During our Advent series, what we're going to be uh, focusing on is the question, what do you do when your whole world changes? What do you do when your whole world changes? And each week we're going to be looking at uh, some different characters out of the Christmas story. Uh, We're going to be obviously looking at the baby Jesus. We're going to be looking at King Herod, which is kind of interesting. Not many times do we look at King Herod. We're also going to be looking at the innkeepers as well. And today we're going to start off with taking a look at Mary and Joseph. Now, Mary and Joseph had an unexpected pregnancy that changed their whole world. An unexpected pregnancy that changed their whole world. They had an unexpected crisis. So that's the the title of today's message, is an unexpected crisis. If you guys didn't grab any notes, there's notes available in the back on the connection counter. Go ahead and grab those. You can also go online on the Connect app, and you can fill them out and then email them to yourself. So that's pretty cool as well. And I think many of us can relate to the experience of Mary and Joseph. Um, Many of us have faced, or, or maybe you're even facing right now, a crisis in your life, an unexpected crisis. What do you do when the early pregnancy test comes back and uh, the results are not what you had hoped for? Or maybe you have a spouse who comes home and says that uh, they are seeing someone else. That's devastating. These are devastating, unexpected crises that can come into our lives. Or you go to the doctor's and you sit down and you have an uh, unexpected diagnosis. And it's really bad. It's really bad, the diagnosis. So what do you do? What do you do when those things come into your lives? Because those aren't fairy tales. Those, those things happen on a daily basis to people in this world. The other thing that I think of, though, is a Christmas story is not a fairy tale either. The Christmas story happened some 2,000-plus years ago. And if you think about it, with Mary and Joseph, um, like if you got a diagnosis that was a very, very difficult diagnosis of cancer, that would be what you'd classify a nightmare. And for Mary and Joseph, it was a nightmare, the unplanned, unexpected pregnancy. But what we're going to see today, though, is that for Joseph and Mary, Each of them made a very difficult decision. And the decision they made was to trust God in the midst of their crisis. And and what I want you to remember and, and what I want myself to remember today is you can trust God in your crisis. If you are, in fact, in a crisis right now, it's really hard to believe that you can trust God sometimes, isn't it? I mean, if we're going to be totally honest with each other today, if your back is up against the wall and you have a crisis in your life, sometimes it's difficult to trust God. I think the natural question that most of us ask ourselves is, is if God is all-loving and all-powerful, then why does he let those things come into our lives? Why does he let a crisis, an unexpected crisis, come into your life and into mine? So today we're going to look at how Joseph and Mary coped with their crisis. But first, let me give you a little background. This is really interesting. We're going to try to give a little background, cultural background, each and every week. 
And this week, we're going to talk about the three stages of Jewish marriage. Now, I don't know if you know anything about this. I didn't know a whole lot about this. I knew some of it, but as we went through the study, the background study, it was really fascinating to me. The first stage of the Jewish marriage is the contract. The couple is betrothed. The couple is betrothed. Now, marriages uh, were usually arranged back in uh, Jesus' time. And it's likely that Joseph, Joseph and Mary's parents agreed for them to, to be wed or betrothed one to another. Now, we did some research, and Mary, they, a, lot of, a lot of scholars say Mary was between the age of 12 and 14 when this story took place. And she had been in a marriage contract with Joseph. It could have been for uh, a couple months. It could have been for a year. We don't really know exactly how long. But we do know that they were in a marriage contract. And once the marriage contract was signed, they virtually were married. Although a ceremony had not taken place or anything, they were basically married. And the only way they could break the contract would be to get a divorce. Now, I didn't know that. That's, that's really interesting that although they hadn't consummated their marriage or, or they weren't living together or anything like that, that if they didn't get married, they would have to get a certificate of divorce, even though they hadn't slept together or anything. And it was a really big deal uh, when the marriage was consummated and the, it, and the bride would be found to be a virgin. That was a huge deal back in Judaism back then, which leads us into stage two, the consummation. Now, I've heard about this before, but it was uh, very interesting, once again, to do the study. The consummation, or the, the kupa, is produced. See, once the groom had paid for the dowry for his bride, their bridal party would assemble, and they would be a, there would be a great processional and a great ceremony, and then there would be a bridal chamber set off, off to the side. And after the ceremony, the bride and the groom would go into the bridal chamber, and the bed was ready for them, and, and they were ready to consummate their marriage. And uh, this kupa would be laid down, and some people have called this a virginity cloth. And what happens is they do the deed, and then what happens is the groom takes the bloodstained cloth and gives it to the parents, and it's actually kept as, as, as a matter of record for the bride. The bride actually keeps that as a matter of record. And once, once the couple have consummated the marriage, then they come out of the bridal chamber, and then a huge celebration takes place, and then they, they party into the all hours of the night. And so that was really interesting. So you have the contract, which could be years in its development, while the groom goes and, and uh, makes money for the dowry that's going to be paid to the, uh, the bride's um, father. And then you have this consummation, which is part of the ceremony. At the end of the ceremony, this consummation takes place. And then we go into the third, which is the celebration or the marriage feast. And like I said, it's a big party. And finally, the marriage is finalized at that time. And you can imagine this could take years, like I said, in development. But Mary and Joseph, when we get into the Christmas story, what we call it, they were in stage one. They were in the betrothed stage at this time. And so obviously, when we think about this cultural, put this all in the cultural context, 
Uh, it's very different from our current day marriages, obviously, and, and courting and stuff like that. But it, having this background gives us really a, a deeper perspective as to what they were up against when the angel came to Mary and when the angel came to Joseph. They were facing uh, many, many odds. Uh, an unexpected crisis is what they were facing. So if you have your Bibles uh With you today, please open up to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 18 and 19. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV. If you uh, have an electronic device, that's what I'm going to be reading out of. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, there's a couple available for you back on the connection counter. But here we start in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So now we hear, we see Joseph's crisis. He suspected that his spouse might have been cheating on him because now she was found to be pregnant. And uh, Joseph, his choice, we have a chart here uh, in the in the center screen, it uh, should be the next slide. There it is. So the choice that that basically that Joseph has is he has two choices. The first choice he can divorce Mary for adultery. Now, if he chooses to divorce her uh, under those conditions, her reputation would be harmed. The dowry would be returned to Joseph, and there would be no fine. He would not have to pay any type of a fine. But Number two choice is divorce Mary for no cause. And if Joseph chose to do that for no cause, then Joe's reputation would be harmed. The dowry, he would have to surrender to Mary's family, and he would also have to pay a fine of, uh, I believe, 50 shekels. And I'm not really sure what a shekel is, but it was uh, a fine nonetheless. And so here, here are the two choices that Joseph has before him. But like I read in, in Matthew, because Joseph was a just man, he wanted to save Mary's honor. So he chose to uh, save her honor and resolve to divorce her for no cause. And so while he was contemplating exactly what he was going to do, um, there was an interruption to his plan. If we go go ahead and, and jump down to verse 20 and 21 and on, then also on the 24, it says this, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, I've had a lot of dreams, and I've even had spiritual dreams once in a while. But I, I don't know about you, but if I had some kind of dream like this, I, I would be thinking that the pizza was acting up that I had the night before or something, right? I mean, an angel that comes into Joseph's dream like this, it's just unbelievable. Uh, but let's look to see what Joseph did. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So here we see, what did, what did Joseph choose? 
I mean, that's the question. And with this unexpected crisis that came his way, he thought maybe his uh, betrothed bride was cheating on him. And so he was going to go ahead and get a divorce for no cause, which was going to create a lot of uh, a lot of issues for him personally. But then he has this encounter with the angel. And what Joseph chose to do was he chose to trust the Lord. It's hard to know everything that was going through Joseph's mind at that moment. And, and, and when I was thinking about this, I thought the fact that he was well-versed in the Old Testament pro, uh, prophecies, in the Old Testament prophets, and I thought of Isaiah 7.14. This is not in your notes if you want to jot this down, but Isaiah 7.14 says this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call him Emmanuel. And so he might have remembered that Old Testament prophecy. Or he could have remembered another uh, proverb or another psalm. In Psalm 33, 4, it says this, For the Lord, word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. Joseph tr- chose to trust in the Lord. So what crisis are you facing today? We, I made mention of just a couple in the beginning of our time together. Whatever that crisis is, just like Joseph, you can trust God in your crisis. You can trust God in your crisis. Now let's talk about this crisis from Mary's perspective. If you turn to Luke chapter 1, we're just going to read a few verses in there, starting at verse 26. Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. Now, I wonder what Mary felt when the angel said, do not be afraid, you found favor with God. I don't know about you, but have you ever had somebody tell you some super spiritual platitude uh, that just kind of ticked you off a little bit? I mean, people mean well. But a lot of times, there are no easy answers when we're going through a crisis in our lives. And many times, we just need somebody to listen. We don't need somebody to to tell us what we need to do or or tell us what we should do. Uh, Have you ever heard this? God has a purpose for this in your life. Now, that can be true, but we have to be careful when we time that and tell somebody that in their life. Or something like this. Uh, God must have needed another angel in heaven. I've heard that a lot. Now, theologically, there's a lot of problems with that statement. You know, and people mean well. But sometimes there's nothing anybody can say that's going to help you through the crisis or the situation that you find yourself in. Here's one that Russ Russ and I talked about. He said his mother used to tell him this all the time and he used to tick him off. (laughs) She used to say, things will look better in the spring. 
what is that? What does that even mean? Things will look better in the spring. That's hilarious. But yeah, he told me I used to get ticked off when she used to say that. Um, so here's the reality, and, and it's it's real for us, and it was real for Mary. She was in crisis. Mary was in crisis, and many times in our lives we find ourselves in crisis too. And Mary's crisis was an unplanned pregnancy. So put yourself in Mary's shoes just for one more moment. I mean, she was young to have a child if she was 12 or 14 years old. And uh, it's not her husband's child. And she's surely going to be shunned uh, by her family and neighbors and friends and, and the whole community. So what would you have done? What would you have said to that angel? Mary's response and this is good. Mary's response to this crisis has become a model response for all people all over the world. She said this in Luke one thirty eight. She said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Man. I pray I can say that all the time throughout my life, and I hope you do too. Let it be to me according to your word, because I am a servant of the Lord. That's awesome. So what did Mary choose? Well, just like Joseph, Mary chose to trust in the Lord. Mary chose, chose to trust in the Lord. You know, Mary, maybe Mary had learned, and, and she was young in her very short life, that to live her life according to this proverb from the Old Testament. Once again, you know, they used to study these things as, as children in school, their, their schools. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. I know for Gene and I, we have, we have stood on that plenty of times to just choose the path, that, and God will show us the path as we make choices in our lives, as we seek his will in all that we do. You can trust God in your crisis. That's the bottom line today. You can trust God in your crisis. So what is your crisis? Maybe it's like Joseph, and it appears maybe that your spouse has cheated on you. Uh, you could take revenge. You could destroy her reputation. I mean, Joseph could have, have uh, chosen to do that number one choice, destroy her reputation and get all the money back and everything. But many times... When we choose revenge, only anger and bitterness takes hold or takes root in our heart. Or you can trust in the Lord in your crisis. And, and I'm not sure what that looks like in every situation. I'm not even sure exactly what Joseph thought that was going to look like when he trusted the Lord. But he did what he knew what to do. Trust the Lord. Or maybe like Mary, you're facing an unplanned pregnancy. You know, today women have many different options than Mary did way back in the day. And something else that comes to mind when I think of the options that women have is there's a great organization in Great Falls that helps with unwanted pregnancies, and that's Echoes Pregnancy Center. I mean, they do some really great work, awesome work. And listen, you can trust in the Lord in your crisis. Or maybe like I made mention, the doctor has given you some prognosis that is just not good, a terrible diagnosis. 
But whatever your crisis is, you can trust God in your crisis. Now, let's listen to this promise out of the Bible. Psalm 119.90 says this, Your faithfulness extends to every generation, as enduring as the earth you created. Man, that's good. I want to read that one more time. Your faithfulness extends to every generation, as enduring as the earth you created. Now, Joseph and Mary uh, stand as enduring examples of faith for Christians down through all of the centuries. But we have an even more compelling reason to trust God in our unexpected crisis. And the reason we can trust God in our unexpected crisis is because of Jesus. Jesus is the guarantee that God will keep his promises. Jesus is the guarantee that God will keep his promises. Jesus is the reason that we can trust God in our crisis. So whatever crisis you may find yourself in today, you can trust God because he's in the promise-keeping business. And Jesus is the example that we look at as we see that God does truly keep his promises. Now, I have a video. We're not quite through yet. I do have a video of Hallelujah by Cloverton. I don't know if you've seen this video. Cloverton is a, is a band or a worship, a worship band. And I love how that song ended because it tells us why we can trust God. You can trust God in your crisis because God has always kept his promises. He kept his promise to Joseph, and he also kept his promise to Mary. And God kept his promise to send us a Savior, Jesus. But even more significantly than that, God has promised to send a Messiah, a Savior to you personally. I don't know if you ever thought about that. You know, a lot of times we, we, we think about Jesus was sent to save the world, and that is true. But what makes this an individual or a personal decision is because Jesus was sent to be your Savior personally and to be mine. Jesus died on a cross for that very purpose, just like God has promised, that we might have a Savior that would bridge that gap between us and God. And Jesus is that sacrifice. The reason you can trust in God through your crisis, whatever crisis that is, is that God has never failed to keep his promises. And he won't let you down this time either. You can trust in God. Let's go ahead and stand at the end of our time together. We're going to go into a, a moment of prayer. We're going to take a, a few moments of prayer time. I talked to some people before. If, uh, if you want to take your place, we're going to have some people that would prayer team, people over there off to the side that would love to pray with you. Uh, but before we do that, I want to pray this blessing over you that, that comes from the writings of Paul in the New Testament. So everybody bow your head as I pray this blessing. It comes out of Romans chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Father God, we need hope today. 
We need hope each and every day in our lives. And God, we can trust in you because you keep your promises. You kept your promise to Joseph and Mary, and you kept your promise to send us a Savior, Jesus. And so as we're bowed in his presence, we're going to take just a couple minutes here of reflection before we go into our prayer time. I'm not sure what your crisis is in your life right now if you're in the middle of a crisis, but I know that you can trust, trust in God through that crisis. And maybe your crisis right now is that you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus as your Savior. That's where it all starts. That's, that's step number one. And so as we're bowed in His presence, our eyes are closed, our heads are bowed. If that's you, if you need to say, I need a Savior this morning, raise your hand real quick. I'd like to remember you in prayer. Thank you. Thank you. There's a couple of us today that, that need Jesus to be our Savior. And so I'm just going to pray over us as we, we pray this prayer. Pray this prayer with me as I pray. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to be my Savior. I make it personal this morning. God, I know that I am a sinner and I've fallen short of a perfect standard. But I accept Jesus as my Savior this morning. Take my sins away as far as the east is from the west. Create in me a new heart now. Transform me from the inside out. I want to serve you the rest of my life. And so now I commit my life to you. Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I can never repay you. I can just say thank you. And I can live out a life that would be pleasing to you. So be with me now, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I think about Joseph and Mary this morning and their unexpected crisis, you know, all of us will experience things in our lives that we we won't see coming. There's no way. But the one constant in our lives is God. He's trustworthy. He is faithful. And I don't know if you've experienced that in your life, but I know I have in mine time and time and time again. I don't deserve it. But God is so faithful and trustworthy that regardless of what crisis I find myself in on any given day, I can put my trust and I can put my hope in him and he will come through. And maybe it's not the way I see it unfolding, but it's always for my benefit. It's always for my best interest because he has my best interest at heart. Just like with Joseph and Mary, it's the same thing with you and with me. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much. Lord, that we can trust in you. You are trustworthy. You keep your promises. And Lord, uh, like I made mention, a lot of times we, we kind of see things working out a certain way. 
And sometimes they do. Normally they don't. But they always work out to benefit me. Because you, you have a plan and a purpose for my life and for each person here. Each person's life. And you want the very best for us. And so I thank you, God, that we can trust you in the midst of the crisis. We can just trust you each and every day. And so we all commit our lives to you once again this morning. Thank you so much for sending Jesus. Thank you for this special time of the year where we can really give to the people that are around us, God. Give love because that's what you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.